1: Welcome to the WrestleMania Backlash review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamphlet from What Culture, to discuss everything that just happened at WrestleMania Backlash. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, but oh, oh WWE Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and. Round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet to review WrestleMania Backlash and was there the best WrestleMania Backlash ever?
2: I've been waiting to have to answer that question in long form because, yes, it's the short answer. There's been two of them. One was Say in, it louder for the people at <laughs> the back. One was in the Thunder. There are literally people at the back in yeah. this building. There weren't last year, there were nothing but screens and zombies. And Zombies. Of course it was better than a forgettable show when it wasn't forgettable, it was rubbish. Um, So yes, with apologies to Adnan (laughs) Verk, Jimmy Smith's first WrestleMania Backlash was better than yours. It was really quite good, this. Um, We have, at this point, for anybody that listens to these podcasts, as well as watching uh, What Culture videos, Mm -hmm. we have now watched this pay for you together live. We've broken it down in short form on a What Went Down video that I believe is just going to upload the <laughs> yeah. channel. Now we're going to discuss it in a little bit more detail. So I feel like me and you will have like known the bones of this show by the end of it. And it's for that reason that I'm grateful that it was mostly very entertaining. Yeah. To go deep with you on three separate bits of media, had this been a total turkey, Ugh. would have been nightmarish. But there was so much to pick at that there was bits we got live there was bits that we condensed, and I'm looking forward to getting a bit more granular on this. And how often, even even when we, me and you especially are quite full of praise mm-hmm. for the succinct and tight uh, WWE Premium Live events, how much do you really want to dig into my new shite after yeah. you've finished? Aren't you just glad that it's done rather than necessarily going... Like, there was a lot that I took from this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, we should mention... Uh, you know, we are grading this on a curve in terms of what we expected going in. There should have been more matches. And there well, should have been better matches. The WWE
2: curve, anyway. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. But like you say, from what we got going in, when we sat there on the kickoff show, and they're not adding anything else. They've got six matches, more than half of the Marie matches, and yet, yeah, I came out this more than pleasantly surprised. Doesn't even really do it justice. There was a couple of matches that I thoroughly enjoyed on this show. And I will probably go back and watch at least one, if not two, before I come back into this studio on Tuesday, talk about Manaral, basically.
2: You know, like when there'd be... David Copperfield probably did this, but other magicians would, where the magician waves the magic wand, says a magic word, and then and it's like would normally be a woman in a floaty dress that levitates from the table. They rise seemingly as if from the dead, they rise up and, they're, they're, you know, the dress trails down a little bit and you can see that they're floating there and puts a space underneath. Like, I feel like sometimes premium live events wave a magic wand on programs that yes. just lie in there dead and float up a little bit and they levitate and they elevate them because I there are two or three programs now that I eagerly await Raw and SmackDown yeah. to kill because <laughs> I wasn't interested in them watching the weekly TV show. The pay-per-view has brought them back to life And now, like, the challenge is, can you just keep them there for one more month? Can you keep them there to the next premium live event or the next big stadium show or whatever? Because, honestly, I think this is... Not only did this present a few decent matches and a couple of standout moments, but it's completely reinvigorated several wrestlers Mm. as well. Like, a real... The more I'm talking about this, the more I'm starting to just consider it an objective success story rather than, as you say... Oh, that wasn't total garbage. (laughs) Well, let's start at the beginning of the show. It
1: opened with Cody Rhodes versus Seth freaking Rollins. One of, if not the best match of WrestleMania weekend. Mm -hmm. Certainly one up there. Um, And it's one of those where we kind of going into it knew that they were never really going to be able to live up to that standard. And yet they still put on one hell of a match, informed by the first match. And as we said in what went down, I don't want to tread on your toes too much here. I want to see it again. For all I sit here and go, for fuck, <laughs> WWE rematches, and this is a whole bloody pay-per-view built on it. I've come out of this and gone, Vince, you might have it right. You know what? I think we should do this again at Hell in a <laughs> Cell in a month's time.
2: Run it back, run it back, run it back, run it back. It's going to be a theme on this podcast, I'm afraid. I I thought this was absolutely tremendous. There might come a point where I sit and I watch them, not like together, but I watch them maybe one after another. And I come to the conclusion this was maybe better than the WrestleMania match. You have to take into account atmosphere, staging, presence, the moments itself that Cody's return drew. So they're kind of, it's not quite apples and oranges, but it's not exactly apples and apples. And I just thought this was such an inspired decision that they both, a logical but inspired decision that they both obviously made together to make this entirely about Seth Rollins' fairly robust belief that he would have had Cody beat if he'd just known that he was wrestling him in the first place. That was all that the, the build wasn't much. The build was Seth Rollins kind of still being a bit of a dick after previously showing mutual respect. And then Cody saying, look, I don't know why you're like this, but if you want to go again, I'm here for competition. Let's go again. So that didn't really play into the build. What we got was Seth out, like laying it out during, like just before Cody's entrance. Remember, um, they cut to Seth. We didn't see this in the building at the time, but then you watch it back. They've cut Seth in oh. the ring, selling Cody's entrance So just a split a second. He does the big Seth laugh, and then he goes super serious because like can't laugh my way through this. I'm in pretty deep here. Cody Rhodes is back this time around. They cut Seth again, and he's it's, he's doing all the exposition. Welcome back, the big leads. This time it was like I know you. This time I'm ready for you. This time. And they followed it through, move for move for move for move, everything from Seth, almost everything here was all about the counter, yep. was all about I've done it before, I've lived this before, and right up as we sort of discussed at the time, to the, the ingenuity of the finish, like how creative a choice that was for the finish, Seth on Raw invokes Dusty Rhodes, and it's the, basically the hair trigger for Cody, and every heel's going to do it, yeah, Dusty Rhodes, and then Cody snaps, can't take it, Don't talk about my dad, and he does it here physically. He goes for the flip-flop and fly. He rolls the arms, ready for the elbow. Cody counters, and he hits him with like, quite a spirited crossroads and picks him up for the next one. They've, they've kicked out of pedigrees. So mm-hmm. that's one of the finishes that you can't use this time around. And Seth has another counter for it because he, even when he's selling the impact of the first one, he's, like, it's muscle memory. He's like, right, I know how to get out of this. He escapes out of it. Trunks are getting pulled. Cody pulling the trunks for the win is the one thing Seth couldn't have possibly anticipated and to come up not only with a thing that Seth wouldn't be ready for but a thing that shows that Cody is prepared if he has to to get in the muck a yeah. little bit in WWE is both a short and long term solution to the problem of how do we pull off this finish really really impressed with it Seth continues to feel aggrieved is surely going to come out on raw and say no 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 no, no. I did all of my homework and I did every piece of homework on you. But apparently, you're not the American Nightmare or returning hero. I did the homework on that guy, not the snake that would come to WWE to cheat. Mm. Is that who you are now, Cody? Is and that now we your get, legacy? Oh, very nice. And now he gets to question his authenticity as a hero. And he gets to question his legitimacy as a wrestler and all that sort of good stuff. To, I can't believe I'm saying it get to another match between them. <laughs> like, such a tremendous piece of business, this.
1: Yeah, I think we all, going in, knew what, what we were anticipating here, and yet it far exceeded my expectations, for sure. Like you say, you went in and they started countering stuff early on, you go, yeah, very good. But, yeah, the fact that I didn't go, okay, let's do, you know, like with the Rhonda-Charlotte stuff, I was like, and that's it now. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's, there's an injury and whether that's real or not, or whatever it may be, yeah. we'll probably factor into that. But I was very much like, yeah, we don't need to run this one back. No. Like that's that. This, I was like, you cheeky bastards, but I'm, I'm, so you son of a bitch, I'm in sort of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Really, really like that. And, and just the perfect opener I thought for this show for people to be like, Oh, okay. Okay. This is what we're getting. Uh, and what we got next was another rematch. It was Bobby Lashley versus Omos. um, of talk of ceilings when it comes mm-hmm. to, to this match and, and these two in particular. You know, Bobby Lashley threw everything he could uh, at the match at Omos and at trying to make this as best as it could be. And in terms of informing the finish and, and, and moving on from WrestleMania, I thought this match achieved it in terms of, yeah, Omos can't beat Bobby Lashley unless he's got MVP in his corner because this is MVP. And that factored into it. He had you know uh, almost speed put him in the hurt lock until you know almost had powered out and been told to take him to the corner he'd slammed almost despite his huge size difference he'd speared him he'd done all that sort of thing tied him up in the ropes etc cetera, etc cetera. but when it came down to it mvp's well first of all distraction at ringside and then second of all involvement kicking him in the throat or whatever it may be with the cane before almost tree slam Bobby Lashley for the one two three, that was kind of the story we anticipated, and that was what we got.
2: Yeah, I'm loath to give this praise for its reasonable grasp of basics, basics fundamentals, because um, the basics are not that interesting, and the fundamentals weren't that great. So, but it did do them. It did do them. You had MVP properly established as somebody that can help Omos um, like almost couldn't beat Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania and MVP's presence there has helped him do it. Mm-hmm. So immediately you've legitimized the relationship between the two of why the two would have come together of what Bobby Lashley now must overcome now there is two of them. So you've done all of that which is good. Good mm-hmm. to do that work because this isn't over. You know, and that's going to be a theme as I keep saying but this isn't particularly one that we want to see more of but it isn't over. So you have to legitimize MVP along with Omos as a A solid partnership. We uh, we criticised Damian Priest taking a loss so early in a judgement day. You know, this is the opposite of that. At least you are validating why Omos has gone to MVP and why MVP has gone to Omos. They're cheating to win together. It feels like it's pouring some gas on the fire for Lashley to want to get his hands on MVP. Whether or not you have one more match with MVP in a shark cage or you just race to Lashley MVP, I guess that's up to them. Feels like we're going to get a rubber match between the big boys first Mm -hmm. of all. Um, I didn't mind the Hurtlock stuff, the idea that Lashley maybe could on another day beat him with his submission. Maybe Omos will stay down for it. Just too much of the match was exposed by... It. It's almost his limitations, but fun- fundamentally it makes Lashley look like the one that's wading through treacle. He's the one that suffers more because of the visual representation of what it is to sometimes have Just to work flailing at him at times. Yeah, like a guy that is still so limited like Omos. Not abysmal. At all, really? No, but just not particularly good. And this is often—it's a strange problem with giants. Often, when they're so big, but not that far along in their development, it's almost—it's almost worse that they're. It doesn't look like they're hitting very hard, yeah, because they're colossal people. <laughs> and the like—that's why, like Carly's chop is what to go back to, because his hand is enormous. So it doesn't matter if the chop is—it's just a chop. If he's hitting you on the head. It looks like he's splitting it clean open and your brain <laughs> should be splitting out everywhere. He only needs to hit you with the standard impact of a normal person's punch, and that should be enough. Omos hasn't got that. He's not got much snap in his in his movement and his attacks. So it's like, I don't know, looks very delicate bouncing off Omos. And I just, I want to see so much more from him, but the match just about what it achieved to need to in the feud. Yeah. I mean, and I don't really want to watch them fight much more. No. These two.
1: We're going to go see it. Yeah, mm. Maybe. Should I say the thing?
2: Do the thing. Put MVP in a shark cage. (laughs) Get MVP in a shark cage. I will watch that. I will absolutely watch that.
1: Uh, Right, then we've got Edge versus AJ Styles with Damian Priest banned from ringside. More on that in a second. (laughs) Uh, But this was was night and day, in our opinion, compared to what we saw at WrestleMania. Uh,
2: An absolute ripper. Um, um, Like, they had... Edge set this up in the very beginning by a concerto on AJ Styles that then informed this heel term where he turned everything blue, <coughs> um, which has gone a bit more purple now. Have you noticed mm, that? Yeah. Um, so th- the wrestling match should have been more personal, but they d- s- decided to have a kind of a bit of a soggy biscuit of a wrestling match um, with all of the meaning implied there as well. Like It was all about like who can do the better hold and counter hold and let's really make them. Make them wait before we allow them to come up and then it was like I fell asleep while I was yeah. to come off. Uh there was none of that here. The what was already blood feed for WrestleMania actually had some blood pumping through it here and it was just full of piss and vinegar and fire and all that really, really good stuff. It was still really well worked. And that was the that was the thing that kept niggling at me at the, with the WrestleMania match was just because it was well worked. Sometimes well worked isn't enough. No. Tell me a fucking story. Like rethink how you've put these things together so that at some point I'm allowed to like commit to the match, I'm allowed yeah. to lose myself to it and at no point was I at Wrestlemania I was constantly losing myself to this they were just going for it and at the point at which Damien Priest did arrive on the scene but apparently not ringside, we have learned. <laughs> sorry, let me rephrase we have been reminded what ringside is, W told us for years yeah. ringside is the piece of tape that separates the mat by the aisle to the mat by ringside should <laughs> <laughs> have masking tape, didn't step over the line Finn Balor knocks him over it. So Damien Priest hasn't technically broke the contract of this match either. I yeah. Thought that was an important detail. Um, but yeah, before the big finish and the big reveal, it was just so pleasing to watch them work, like, at a pace yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. And th- they were both... They ran
1: in and just started punching each other to start of the match. I was like, well, this is instantly better.
2: That's how it should be. That's like These two should want to fight... Um, especially when we were led to believe, obviously, that Edge was going to be working alone. He had no choice but to fight and to stick up for himself. This was really, really good stuff. And the finish and everything you're sort of about to describe was immensely satisfying to the people in the building in a way that I think we did kind of hope and predict. Mm. Oh, yeah. About the more, like, the more muscle and. I was going to say grit there, and it's edge, so I can't. But <laughs> basically, just the more you add to the stable, I think the better it gets.
1: Yes, I agree completely. Yeah, the, the finish, as you mentioned, uh, Damian Priest gets jumped by Finn Balor. They sort of roll through the ring. Uh, Jessica Carr, I believe, was the referee. She's maniacally waving at this, trying to get him to get yeah, out Yeah, Priest there.
2: hasn't... Technically interferes. No, exactly. So,
1: yeah. And uh, and they fight off, but this is, distracts the referee. Uh, and AJ Styles, who's been hovering around the top rope for a while since Damian Priest arrives on the scene, sets himself to uh, finally finish off Edge when a hooded figure knocks him off the top. Uh, Edge locked in the crossface submission and uh, eventually got a sort of technical submission. No no tap from, from AJ, but he did just sort of pass out great facials from both gents on this. And then the question remained, well, who's that hooded figure? And you and I looked at him and went, well, I can tell you one thing, it's not champer <laughs> uh, And uh, a huge babble mm. a huge reaction to this in the arena when it is revealed the newest member of Judgment Day is Rhea Ripley. Just just smart moves all around all this. Edge gets the win courtesy of another uh, addition to his stable. You can argue that once again, AJ probably had the match won mm-hmm. prior to that. And, yeah, I don't know where Finn Balor and Davia Brees are right now, but Rhea Ripley, what an addition to this team.
2: Yeah. There's, what there is about this, ultimately, is there's a lot of potential. Um, Rhea Ripley has obviously recently turned heels. She's felt uh, slightly disconnected from Liv Morgan. And, indeed, this was she was kind of fraught with like what she was going to do, wasn't she, before she didn't make this decision lightly. She no. was gradually losing faith in Liv Morgan as a partner. She wrestled as part of the kind of generic heel club on the Monday at which point speculation was already rampant that she was going to join this group. So they'll probably track it back. They'll, they'll pick a point where Rhea Ripley was converted, I guess, to being one of Edge's disciples, and then yeah. they'll use what we've seen on television to inform that. So whether it be WrestleMania, where you know they, they were coming out in the losing end and then she's seen Edge and Damien Priest win and thought to herself... Hmm. I need to be on this side of things. Mm-hmm. And they're the fir- that's the first point. They've spotted her when she's vulnerable, perhaps, and then that's planted the seed that maybe Liv Morgan's the wrong person for her. And they can, it's really easy to backtrack that because you just feel it's been actually on the cards. They've been working towards it. So funny, funny how it's easy to do that when you've actually planned these things in <laughs> advance, isn't it? Um, Ripley's, it was dramatic and it was cheesy, but I think it worked. The, the pulling off of the hood and the snapping the neck to stare down the hard camera with a new haircut and everything like that. Was a bit on the nose, but I th- it like you judge it based on the reaction, and it went down super well in the building. Yeah. So, the, like, the fans were, they were there for it, and we just had a feeling they would be. Um, and yeah, the, the it's going to welcome, um, so you've got Finn Balor and AJ Styles working together now, so you would assume it's going to welcome uh, one of the females on raw to join up with them too, and you can you can. Set two feuds in motion out of it. But it's not just this angle, is it? It's going forward. Yeah. You've now got Rhea Ripley as a female representative of the group that might want to bring the title to the stable. You've got interlocking male and female feuds that can spin off off this going forward. This might not even be the end of Judgment Day's recruitment drive. There might yet be more to follow. I like it. As a development for Rhea Ripley, I really like it. Yeah, i was going to say I love
1: Rhea's black hair. I love her addition to this stable. There's going to be some
2: really cheesy promos. Like yeah. she's but guilty of that in the heel, past. As well. Heel
1: Rhea Heel Rhea is far easier to digest, I'd say, for a casual fan than, than babyface just because of just visually.
2: I think she needs it right now, especially. Really like really needed the reset.
0: A lot can happen in the next 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.
1: Right, let's move on to probably the match of the night. Uh, It was the SmackDown Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair defending against Ronda Rousey in an I Quit match. Uh, And this was sort of the opposite of uh, our experience of of, of Edge and AJ Styles, where maybe some people uh, thought it far better than we did. Mm. Rousey Flair won at uh, WrestleMania 38. was something that we all quite enjoyed. Mm. You, me, Phil, Miller. Just it felt like a scrap. And then people said when they were watching it back on telly, uh, or, you know, when they were watching it live on telly, it just didn't come across and just felt a little bit sloppy. Well, if that was the only match that these women were able to do, this stipulation made it a, a complete game changer in terms of, well, if all you can do is have a scrap rather than a clean wrestling match, we'll give you an I quit stipulation and let you beat the crap out of each other. Kendo sticks being bent around the guardrails or whatever it may be in the the, the, the stairs mm. of the arena and and chuck, chucked into the crowd, chucked, chucked at the crowd to some <laughs> extent. Um, but I, I just loved this, and I, I'm going to go back and watch this in a few hours probably because I thought it was, yeah, far and away the best match on this show.
2: Yeah, I thought this was really quite fantastic. And again, I don't know if I'm not a good judge of character for any of this because I was... I'm positive about the first match between them, and that has maybe proven me stupid. But I just really, really enjoyed the energy both of them brought to it. It was never destined to be a technical classic, and I wouldn't say beyond a couple of high spots. They particularly threaded any of it together with any sort of... I don't want to say with any sort of psychological nous, because that would be unfair to them. But I didn't see them looking to tell one major story other than, I will beat you and beat you and beat you until you quit. And to be fair, it's an eye quit match, so that is enough. You know, there's always going to be a referee sticking the microphone in your mouth. So the point is, is that you need to have been decimated over and over again to make it. So what I loved about this specifically wasn't just the um, the weapon shots or the engagement with the crowd that probably really helps Ronda as well as yes. like this figure that they're still trying to work out how sympathetic is she, how much of a hard case is she going to be. What version of the babyface Ronda we were going to get in, it was the fact that they incorporated at least one spot, there was probably others but this is just the one we both highlighted at the time, that felt like it could have been a finish, the kind of spot that makes you react or makes you wince or makes you feel something Mm. and it was Ronda hanging Charlotte from the top rope with that armbar and then like wrenching on it even more so and Charlotte countering by getting them through the ropes and out to the floor and they just fell in a heap. They gave me a very, very believable false finish. Hmm. And the way Ronda's been booked so far, it then allowed me to think, oh my God, Charlotte's going to win. Charlotte's going to win this. (laughs) And that was how they, uh, that's how they earned my suspension of disbelief when otherwise I had absolutely none. To the point where by the time the finish came, and especially the way it was, it was all very dramatic. And I think it's probably going to be too dramatic for some people that just cannot take WWE's brand of it. A finish that I found quite, almost like endearing. Yeah, You know, it was like, it it wasn't, warm would not be the word, but in terms of a goddamn mother doing what was right, like Charlotte shouldn't have played that card. Mm. and She kind of had what she was coming to her by the finish.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, are you going to quit Rhonda? Happy Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. And then Rhonda counters using the chair that's been brought in by Charlotte, pulls her arm through it, puts her in the arm bar. Charlotte is screaming, but she still refuses to quit, Uh, at which point Rhonda says, I was hoping you'd say something like that,
2: bitch. <laughs> and
1: just, I don't know, bends her arm in all sorts of directions, gets the uh, gets the eye quit from Charlotte Flair, gets the victory, gets the SmackDown Women's Championship. But before we move on, two things I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Number one, the the, the scars, the bruises, oh. the welts that these women got are no joke, are they? I mean, the fact that they didn't, you know, it's not after the match where someone takes, takes a photo and goes, look at the state of so-and-so's back or whatever. No. I mean, it was bad enough just watching those ke- kendo stick being broken over Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey not doing the WWE thing of like, right, I'm going to hit it there across your shoulder blades. Oh, and then, no, it was just, it was visceral. It was realistic. It was brutal.
2: Yeah. The, there was a point with the kendo sticks because Ronda was swinging them so wildly and so frequently. She hit us so many times with the two of them that one of them splintered oh. and she just kept hitting her. And then it was almost broken half. It eventually did break in half. But think about how long those canes were that were sticking out, that were, like, very jagged as well. And you're thinking, Charlotte's going to want one sticking out of her arm. She's going to need to get immediate surgery. or start bleeding out or something like that because (laughs) I'm going to be jabbed right in a bicep. And it didn't happen, but you believed it had done by the marks on them, by the way they were carrying their various emotional and physical scars. And it was ultimately what made it. This was like weapons brawls are weapons brawls or weapons brawls. Some are better than others. Some you're more invested in than others. Some of the story might be a little bit stronger than others. It, there's there's a way to do them, but we're in, we're seeing so many that it's kind of making you desensitized to it, to all of it. So the fact that they found, you know, that, that extra gear, mm. I guess, was, well, it was genuinely quite encouraging for Ronda's reign. I I think, agree. I think that's the main thing. It's the best possible start to a title reign based on everything that she's done in the company so far. And I don't know if she's got it, but I'm very, very keen now to see her work against other opponents. Yes, like she's done Charlotte, and she was big on Charlotte before she left WWE in the first place. So, and and the Horsewoman really. So I'd quite like to see her maybe make it back for WrestleMania next year. Um, Ronda Rousey, that is, having cycled through, yeah, new opponents. You know, Charlotte Flair being off, perfect, really ideal time yeah, for. Yeah, there was a
1: report later on that she'd. I think they said she'd fractured, but effectively she'd broken
2: her arm. Great, like needs to be gone for a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely, the character needs a break after this match. Anyone's entitled to a bit of a, a bit of a breather, a bit of time off, and yeah, just again, like for very different reasons than the like the opening match. I'm very keen to see what's next yes. for Underdog, albeit moving on to something brand spanking new.
1: And we'll discuss it on the SmackDown preview later on this week, of course. I said there was two things I wanted to talk to you about from this as we conclude talking about the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match. Second bit, of course, I should have probably mentioned it earlier, the return of the Flippin' Fiend. <laughs> Ringside. Ringside. I never. think this was the match that McAfee pointed out.
2: That's great. I love that he it's mentioned started that, trending,
1: apparently, on social media. We spotted from the opening, basically. Well,
2: I mean, when you, you, don't see, miss the Fiend. When you see the Fiend, you can let him in. <laughs>
1: I just love the fact that McAvee can just go. McAvee had some good lines here. The fact that he mentioned the feeding because he's like, "We well, can do sack me." Oh no, I'll make make muck millions in other businesses and not
2: hook in at ringside later on as yeah, well.
1: They mentioned the hook T-shirt <laughs> and uh, the bit later on in the main event where I think the tables got cleared out and McAfee said, "Oh no, my pencil's gone." <laughs> Apparently, Cole, I'll give him credit here. I think I, I think I saw Ryan sat and tweet this. Apparently. Cole fired back with, you never made a note since you arrived here. Good, I like <laughs> Which that. Which is oh a gosh. good bit of patter for once. Nice. Um, amazing what happens when you don't script it. Um, <laughs> Mad Cat Moss Happy Corbin was next. Uh, the first non-rematch yeah. uh, for this card. And we had not low expectations for this, but we all kind of knew the result of this match and especially with the placement on the card that we were basically just going to get a TV match. But it was It was fine. <laughs> It's the nicest way I can put yeah, it. I, you know, I've seen some people say it was, you know, it was what it was.
2: It was just, just fine. Uh, Madcap Moss made a good account of himself, if not a great one. Corbin did a pretty effective job of being outmuscled, outmatched, outpaced, out everything by Madcap Moss at the end. It was the shortest match of the card, and it wasn't a long card. So when you when you've only got six matches and you, the match, are only maybe getting... Well, it was under 10 minutes, I think.
1: Yeah, just under 10 minutes. Like, Oh, actually, almost Bobby Lashley was shorter. Oh,
2: it was shorter, was it? It felt longer. That's yeah, a, That is a compliment to Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, we, we sort of alluded to this in, in What Went Down, and indeed, if you go back and watch it on the stream, it's really quite impressive to see Madcap Moss flying around at pace because he's a big guy. He's carrying yeah, a lot yeah, of muscle yeah. on his frame and he can, he's capable of so much, but he's also super quick. And that's quite satisfying, but it's not I don't think he's quite yet put it all together in the ring. No. Whether or not it's a lack of a one big move or just a, just the way he does his sequence it, I don't know, but he is getting there and he does look fantastic. The finish is irritating. The finish remains irritating. What you, was the name? What was the name you gave it? So he did a what I first called the Pun set flip, <laughs> and I then changed it to the sunset quip because I'm apparently just as bad as Madcap Moss himself. He beat him with a sunset flip, and honest to God, K, -K -K and sunset flip, and we were led to believe, based on Baron Corbin's facials and the way the camera and the commentary were dealing with it, that, oh, this isn't over. You can't just beat somebody with a wrestling hold. (laughs) So we'll probably get more of it, which is a bit of a shame. I don't need it. Uh, but maybe WWE want it for uh, Happy Corbin. Maybe we, maybe they we haven't done the big heat segment yet where Happy Corbin beats that Mad Cat Moss. I don't know. But they're going to see Corbin as the perfect gate hit, gatekeeper to Mad Cat Moss making it, you know? Yes. So I think there's more to come there.
1: And at least they didn't give him the end of days.
2: Yeah. How stupid would it have been to give him that away in hindsight? mm
1: Main event then, it was the Bloodline, Roman Reigns versus the Usos, uh, sorry, Roman Reigns versus the Usos, Roman Reigns and the Usos versus Drew McIntyre and RK... <laughs> um, and I, I, I said this on what went down, and I think it bears repeating. You, me, and a lot of the people in the comments seem to take this as, right, we've had three, I was going to say three weeks of three segments at <laughs> the bare minimum of these two just, oh, these six, sorry, just 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 clashing with each other. And... There's now on the line, they've taken off the, you know, all the tag team titles, stipulation stuff. They've just made it a six man. Arms folded, go on then, impress me, make this better <laughs> than, you know, the, than just a, a, a high profile TV main event. And I think they managed to pull it off by the <laughs> end. It was a, It was a thrilling finish in a match where, as we say, now it was on the line. And yet it was, as you said.
2: Well, yeah, I just, they wrestled like it was. And that's all I need. I just need to believe that the rest of themselves have got a competitive spirit. I really, really, really enjoyed this. Like, if your arms were folded, mine was straight jacket around the back. You know what I mean? They were just tied to my body. I was like, (laughs) I I am refusing to engage with this. I do not like the Tribal Chief character anymore. I've just watched a house show clip where he's definitely leaving WWE. Spoiler, you know, he's probably not. But I, I I didn't want to be dragged in. And like Partridge, when he's interviewing that London gangster, I got sucked in. I got massively, massively sucked in. I was so impressed with how they used the Randy Orton hot tag and did it twice. So Drew McIntyre got the first one. Randy Orton got the second one. Super impressed with uh, Roman Reigns' selling of his tacit fear of uh, Drew in a way that he never did for Brock Lesnar when the match itself came along. Drew had to bring out that anger from him to the point where he can rock bottom... Through a table. <laughs> but that wasn't just a set piece for set piece's sake. They went to the trouble of setting that up. The wrestlers got there organically. There was a bunch of dives that felt cooler more than they did just for fun. You know, it felt like the the wrestlers, when they do dives, are literally throwing their body at a problem. Yes. And there was a lot of problems occurring down there that <laughs> wrestlers elected to throw their bodies up against. You gave Drew Orton's cool pop and then just rebuilt it so that Orton could have it himself. You mm-hmm. then donated that to Riddle, who was the one that nearly got the finish, nearly got the win. So every single babyface was really well serviced by this until they fell, up, they came up short. But they come up short against the team and indeed the man that have beaten absolutely everybody. So there's no shame in that. And Roman himself is feeling obviously very rattled by this. So the title matches that are to come and you know get ready for them because we're getting 100 million. <laughs> the title matches that are to come feel earned. And at least on the surface, might be placing the bloodline in some jeopardy. Mm. And it's definitely what they need. Like, if not on the pay-per-views themselves, but on television when they're just racking up so many wins. Something, every now and then, the ground has to shape between their feet. Mm. And I think that this six-man certainly did felt like it was shifting below mine. So this just this six-man was perfectly laid out to the sense that you can sort of see the next few programmes for the big stars. And that's always how it should feel. Yeah, I, I really still, well worked as well. Like, yeah, it was really, brilliantly, really well worked.
1: brilliantly worked. I still feel Ronda Rousey Charlotte I probably should have main evented because yes, title and what have you. And you know, maybe people were thinking. I mean, there's always that thing of when you're watching it of like, oh, it's all well and good uh, saying, oh, that should have main evented, that shouldn't. But you don't know if bloody the fiend's going to show up or whatever it may yeah. be. So you know, in the end, it was just a relatively straightforward match. But my word, yeah! Didn't they did they chuck everything at it at the end? I mean, you had earlier on uh, Randy Orton RKO in uh, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns eating a claymore, spears, Superman punches, super kicks, super kicks getting no sold into an RKO. You know, it's it's insane to see see the reaction that Randy Orton still gets. Like you say, with that hot tag in twenty twenty two of mm-hmm. all times. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. Like you say, I don't anticipate that this is the last time that these men will, will clash. But for and this was sort of a microcosm for the entire show for something that we went into going, all right. You just sort of okay. You just yeah. dialing it, you know. What's <laughs> it? was the phrase? Phoning it phoning in. Phoning it in. Yeah. Phoning it in with the post post WrestleMania premium live event. By the end, I was really really happy with with what how I spent my night and
2: it was over in what less than three hours. I've done it again. This is a, it. Shouldn't be. Uh, such high praise. Oh. But, you know, we watch other wrestling pay per views that go along. And we lived through the, the
1: era where they were like, oh, if we just make this a longer pay per view, we can say a lot of people have watched for longer.
2: That's a far better thing to compare it against. We have earned this. Yeah. yeah keep the tribalists a bit. We've absolutely earned this. And yeah, long it continue. Those TV tapings are a, are a drag to watch on television. And it's partly because you feel a lot of that live. I didn't get any of that here. All of this felt urgent, like it was longer on a pay per view. Yeah, like top marks, kind of sure.
1: Yeah, really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, excited to see the fallout of this as and when it comes in the uh, coming few days. Do let us know your thoughts on WrestleMania Backlash, though. Was this your favorite WrestleMania Backlash ever? <laughs> let us know on Twitter, our <laughs> culture, WWE Watch. They can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hanflet at... Michael Hanflet. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, ups and downs with Simon Miller is going to be out a little bit later on today. And also you're going to have Andy and Sidgwick talking about things that happened on AEW Rampage on Friday night. And looking ahead to what happens following WrestleMania Backlash on Monday Night Raw. T- well, tonight, I suppose now, mm-hmm. but it's not as close as it normally is when we wrap up these baby view reviews. Anyway, uh, this has been the WrestleMania Backlash Review. My thanks to Michael Hamblet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.